Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Football Garbage Time NFL Podcast. Scares and Dares episode where we review our horror movie Scare of the Week and then give you our NFL player prop bets that we dare to make in Week 10. My name is Hakun Wong and I'm the Editor-in-Chief of Football Garbage Time. And with me as always for the Scares and Dares episode is my co-host, Senior Staff Writer, Joanne Kong. How you doing? Good. Hey, everyone. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for joining us again for another episode of Scares and Dares. And thank you, Manscaped, for sponsoring us. If you need some pubic hair trimming or some nose hair trimming or, heck, any hair trimming, go check out Manscaped at manscaped.com and use promo code GARBAGETIME to get 20% off and free shipping. That's promo code GARBAGETIME at manscaped.com to get 20% off and free shipping. All right. We got a lot to discuss today. We're going to discuss the 2022 movie Bodies, 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 and then we're going to give us some uh, some nice player prop bets there. Last week, uh, I should say two weeks ago, we were 50% on our player prop bets. We are going to do better than that this week, folks. So hang in there because we got a lot to talk about. Let's get rolling. All right. So let's start with our scare of the week, the horror movie from 2022, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So this is a a movie that is available for streaming on demand. You can get it at, uh, you can basically purchase it for streaming on demand. You can also get it on DVD and Blu-ray. It's already been released, and you can see it in theaters still, actually. Um, it's been out since August of this year, so it hasn't been a whole long time, but it has done quite well. And we uh, and this is a movie that only uh, moves along at a brisk one hour and 35 minutes, and um, it's definitely going to have some um, different views as to whether it was a good horror movie or not. It's not your traditional horror movie, I, I should say, uh, from the get-go. So as usual, we're going to give you a little bit of background on the movie itself, and then we're going to give you our thoughts on it, and uh, we'll give you our scare meter and our star rating as per usual. So let's start with a little bit of background. So the setup uh, to this movie is pretty much by the book. It's five wealthy 20-somethings, the cast that includes uh, Amanda Stenberg as Sophie Borat's Mar- Maria Baklova, uh, as Sophie's new girlfriend, B, and Pete Davidson as David, which is, plays um, Sophie's childhood friend. And they go to this uh, hurricane party in a mansion in upstate New York owned by David's parents who are clearly not there. I've never heard of a hurricane party before. Have you? I don't even know. I mean, they're obviously having no, a party but, in a hurricane. No, but we're also not that rich. So. Yeah, it's true. We're not that rich, and we're not 20-somethings. Uh, and, and did you realize that B was played by Maria Bakalova, who was from Borat, the sequel? I didn't realize that until uh, recently. You know what? She did look very familiar. Right. When she did, but I just could not place her face. Yeah, I, I couldn't place it either. Now that you say it. It's so obvious. Yeah. <laughs> but very different, a very different role for her. But anyway, so they're up in this mansion in upstate New York. David's parents, not there. Other guests include David's actress girlfriend, Emma. Uh, podcaster Alice and a much and her much older boyfriend Greg, who she apparently found online, and Jordan, their other friend, uh, and another guest Max allegedly left after a fight with David. So at the beginning of the movie, we don't see Max, and the night and he apparently left the night before Sophie and B arrived. Uh, so after some drinking, some copious amounts of drugs, and there was a lot, definitely a lot of drugs, a lot of drugs, <laughs> and dancing. Uh, the group decides to play a game that they called Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. So this game is basically a murder-in-the-dark style game 
where everyone draws a piece of paper randomly and one person is the quote-unquote killer who then has to sneak around in a darkened house and touch victims on the back who then have to play dead. And when another person runs into the body on the ground, they yell out and the lights go on and the remaining people try to figure out who among them is the killer, right? So that's actually the game. And uh, this is suggested. And it's really interesting because the lead up to it is almost seems malicious, <laughs> you know, that she wants to, that Sophie wants to play bodies, bodies, bodies. But anyway, so that happens. And unfortunately, the game ends after just one round when Greg goes to bed early after getting into an argument with David. And uh, David then thereafter storms out after having a fight with his girlfriend, Emma, over him accusing her of acting upset because he says she's an actor and she's just faking it. So the storm worsens, power goes out, as is predictable in these types of movies, and the remaining characters scramble to find the power source to turn the lights back on. But as the lights are being addressed, suddenly one among them, and I won't tell you who, is found really killed, really dead, and the paranoia begins as they try to figure out who did it and why. So I'm going to stop right there because obviously the rest of it is um, what happens, and then there's a little bit of a... There's a little bit of twist at the end, but I'm not, we're not going to cover that. So tell me, what did you think about this movie, Joanne? I didn't hate it, but I also didn't like it. Okay. <laughs> well, that's interesting. Um, so, so it's pretty neutral. You know, I, you know, I thought this was a quintessential Gen Z horror movie. I mean, it wasn't like the typical horror movie, but it was clearly trying to capture that Generation Z. Don't you think? I mean, it was interesting because the horror, the real horror might not be all the dying and killing. It may all be just the ridiculously entitled protagonist who can constantly complain about what we'd expect a bunch of 20-year-olds to, to, to discuss in that situation, including cultural toxicity, narcissism, body dysmorphia, gaslighting, and the importance of mental health. All those things that we expect uh, those in Gen Z to be worried about. Um, so that certainly was very interesting to me. It was almost like a character study in terms of the people more so than a horror movie. Right. You know? uh, no, I, I totally agree with you because it it wasn't horror in the typical sense. And mm -hmm. there was horror because, of course, there people death. die. <laughs> so when there's death, there yep. is some horror. Yes. But at the same time, I think the scarier part was just how horrible all these characters were. Yes, yes, yes. Those They were not very... Uh... Except for Greg. Yeah, well, okay, true. I guess Greg, I just Greg nothing, was not horrible, Greg was, but he was also in his 40s. And so, so we like Greg because he was Gen X. <laughs> so we're, or millennial, I guess. In fact, bottom end, top end of millennial, bottom end of Gen X. So we're like, yeah, that guy's cool. We no, like that no, guy. No, but he just wasn't involved <laughs> in all these things that all the other characters were. Yeah, right, right. And, and he was just kind of more just... Then. Well, so this is interesting because also I also thought that B wasn't a bad character because B obviously so all the rest of the characters clearly are undoubtedly financially privileged, right? They're all, all very very wealthy yeah. individuals and they act that way. Yeah. But and it, they even say it. And they say it, they own it, right? They're, they're I mean the two of the the two that are the richest is Sophie, right? And um uh. What's Pete Davidson's character? Uh, David. David. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, those two are the most wealthy out of the whole group. But all of them come from privileged, privileged families. Yeah, but what's interesting is they make a point, although they're all financially privileged, they make a point of making sure they aren't all white and straight. In fact, none of them, almost none of them are white and straight. I mean, but, you know, it's interesting. They made a big mix in terms of diversity, but they made them all the same in terms of their financial kind of background and their attitude towards things. They're... 
their kind of uh, privileged attitude towards where they are in life and what they're doing. And I think it's, it's very interesting because that's really almost a dichotomy between, and Greg was one of them, but a dichotomy between that group of friends and B and that group of friends and Greg, right? right. And I think that was certainly that, that was intentional, I think. And I think it was also intentional that Lee Pace, who played Greg, and Pete Davidson, who played um, David, are, are the only two men there, and they're taller than everybody else. I don't think I think that was intentional as well because there was meant to almost make them more imposing, and particularly Greg. They tried to make him more imposing, even though you had no facts to go on. That's an interesting take on that. Yeah. I, I mean, like they're the only two guys in the movie. I know they're the only two guys in the movie, but to say that you know they tried, they made them more imposing by making them taller. I don't know. But I think it was purposeful because I think that you know. Um, Greg was kind of like this dichotomy to David. Absolutely. Like they were two very opposite individuals. Right, but they made you believe that both of them could be violent. They made you believe that. Now, now, now I'm not going to give anything away, but I'm saying that they See, definitely... I disagree. I did not think that they made... I, I, don't, I disagree. I don't think they made it seem like um, both of them could be violent. I'm it, it, to me, even though um, Greg was not such an imposing character, they kind of made him seem like he could be violent. But, but because he's but he's a big dude compared to the rest of them, he's a big. No, dude. but he also was in the military. But he wasn't. <laughs> no, oh, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have given that away. So don't, but. let's not talk about what he did. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, the point being that, like, they, they, but that's, that's what I'm saying, though. They made it seem like he could be violent. They, they didn't, not his character, the way he acted, but they made it seem like he could be violent. Right, they made it seem like David could be violent. I don't know. I don't feel like they made it seem like David could be violent. But, like, I thought they made all the female characters, like... Passive-aggressive. Yeah, they were absolutely passive-aggressive. Passive yeah, which... Except for B. And, and then and they also... And they had some questions as to what B's motivation is. Anyway, you know, it's, I thought it was interesting because basically after the entire thing, lights go out and they start, you know, running, you know, who's the killer, who's the killer. At that point, everybody has a victim card to play. Everyone has a victim card to play. Um, every, every female character, at least, has a victim card. I mean, David did, too. They all did. They all had a, female, they all had a victim card to play. I thought that was very interesting, the way that set, they set that up. It's almost like everyone was very much focused on themselves and not on, on anybody else. I also think there was an interesting vibe there, um, and, and this was the most te- one of the most telling lines, when one of them is uh, trying to call one of them the killer and says, oh, you're a psychopath, you know, you're a killer, you're a psychopath, and another character on the side says, stop it, that's so ableist, you know, <laughs> you know right? So like, ableism being like discrimination against uh, and, and social prejudice against those who have disabilities. So for them to actually call them out, you know, they were calling out, you're trying to find a murderer, and they're worried about the fact that, that she's being ableist. Yeah. I thought that was very Gen Z, you know? very PC. Yeah, I thought and, it was great. It was great. I thought yeah. that was perfect, though. I mean, that, that was a, and it was almost a commentary on, on, on society and the way we treat each other, and in particular, how these particular group of friends all wanted to look like good people, but are actually not good people. Are terrible are people. Are terrible They're people. terrible people. Right. But they wanted to look so much like good people that they were correcting each other on things like calling somebody a psychopath, you know? And so it's so clear that it's all just external. It's all just, you know, right. the, the, the surface. Anyway, so 
that's basically um, all we can really talk about because then we give away the, um, the, the twist at the end, which I actually liked a lot. I know you liked it a lot. And I know you weren't as thrilled with it. No, I mean, I, it's not that I wasn't thrilled with it, but I kind of suspected it. Oh, you, okay. I suspected something totally different, so I was wrong. <laughs> I kind of suspected it. Okay, well, that's, that's different. But I, I thought it was, it was fun, and it was a good movie, and, it, and I, I had not seen something like this before. I know, you said that. Yeah, you thought it was very It was novel. New, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, it was the, like I said, the setup was the by-the-book crime murder 101, and then it became something different, and I love that. I think that was really, they managed to accomplish more. I don't really know if it became something that different, um, because we've seen movies where people just quickly turn on each other. Yeah, yeah, but this in in this amongst a group of friends and really kind of like, I mean, the 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 twist at the end I thought made it perfect. Um, okay, so that that said, let's get on to the scare meter. What's your scare meter out of ten? Three. Three. Okay, and uh, and I had a four out of ten. And what did you like most and least about the movie? Um, so what I liked most about the movie is probably Pete Davidson. Okay. <laughs> Because he played exactly the same character he always plays in every movie. I I am a fan of Pete Davidson, although not a fan of when he was dating Kim Kardashian, but yeah, well, I'm a fan know, of Pete Davidson. Can't, can't win them all. Um, <laughs> and, which is why we watched the movie. One of the reasons we watched the movie because Pete Davidson was in it. Sure, and it's, and it was it was billed as a horror movie that got really really uh, pretty good reviews. Yeah. So oh, that was another reason. But yeah, I, I did think that Pete Davidson was good. But and who was what, what do you like least? What I liked the least was all the female characters. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, None like, of them. Like we said, like their passive aggressive behavior. I mean, just everything about it was all of them were just so annoying, so privileged. Right. How many times did they say you're toxic? <laughs> more times than more times than Britney Spears said in her in her song "Toxic." They said they're toxic more times than that. It was it was because very... they were they were all so toxic. I mean, right. they were they grew up together. They yeah. were supposedly best friends yeah clearly but like they all really hated each other they clearly had a veneer of friendship but underneath much much worse so i agree with that as far as what i liked most about it i, I thought i agree pete davidson but i actually liked uh, maria bakalova i think she did a great job and she obviously played someone who was on the outside looking in and throughout the movie you had to kind of think about what her kind of you know what her motivation was and i thought that was i thought it was well done i thought it was well done i thought it was cut well and um, when you look back at it, you have a totally different feel for what happened <laughs> in the movie once you know what actually happened at the end. So I like all that. And I didn't like, as you didn't like, most of the protagonists as none of them were likable. None of them were likable. Well, you always said that's like part of the movie. It is. It is totally part of the movie. That is absolutely yeah. part of the movie. You're not supposed to like any of them. So it's hard to root for any of them. All right. Uh, stars, out of four, uh, with, well, actually, before we get there, let me give you the Rotten Tomatoes. So out of 212 reviews by critics on Rotten Tomatoes, it got an 85%. That's very, very positive. Fresh there. Critics' consensus is impeccably cast and smartly written. Body, bodies, bodies is an uncommonly well-done whodunit. And the audience score, a little bit lower, 69%, 500-plus uh, verified rating. Audience says it may resonate more of younger audiences, but Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is one horror comedy. It doesn't skimp on scares or laughs. Okay, what do you got for it in terms of stars out of four? Two stars. Two stars. Oh, my goodness. I, give... I Like I said, I didn't not like it, but I didn't like it. Okay, so... all right, that's fair. I 
thought it was really good. Three and a half stars for me. Yeah, I know you I really, really enjoyed it. it. I, I thought that was a great. I mean, it it operated on many levels as social commentary, as comedy, no, I, as I totally horror, as thriller, as and that's why I character gave it, study. You know, two stars. But it just, you know, I just could not get over like just the the female characters. I yeah, just, they're bad. Just, yeah, <laughs> they're bad. Too much for me. But you have to. But yet you you got you love to hate them. You got to love to hate them. All right. I well, don't know if I even love to hate them. I just did not want to see them. Okay, you just flat out, you just flat out hate them. You just flat out dumb with them. Well, you must have been really happy then. Uh, well, I won't say <laughs> <laughs> why you might be happy, but anyway, let's uh, let's go ahead and ring the bell on that one. By you get that we reviewed bodies, bodies, bodies from 2022. You can find that video on demand or on Blu-ray or on DVD. Uh, hopefully, it will become the streaming someplace else sometime soon. So soon, probably yeah. soon. But it, but right now you you'll have to pay for it to see it. It's uh, I thought it was worth it. Joanne, probably not. <laughs> All right, let's hit the boxing on that one. Well, okay, let's turn now to our dares of the week, the NFL player props we dare to make in week 10 of the NFL. Give us your first pick. My first pick is Jerry Judy, okay. uh, Denver wide receiver, with 50.5 total yards, and I pick the over. On 50.5 total receiving yards. Receiving yards, yep. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, took the over. So yeah, so Jerry Judy, he's been hit or miss this season, and I think like in the beginning of the season, you would definitely say he was a miss, and mm-hmm. I know this because he's on my fantasy team. Okay, and he did me no favors. <laughs> right. But recently, he's become much better. Yeah. And I don't know if that's because of Jerry Judy's ability yeah. or because Russell Wilson has just gotten better. I don't really know what it is. Yeah. Well, he couldn't have gotten worse. But <laughs> so. Is that? But you know, unfortunately, Russell Wilson was not the all-coming, you know, savior for the Denver Broncos that everyone thought he would be, right. including me. Right. I should have stuck to my gut instinct and uh-huh. stuck with my guns. Like Russell Wilson, just is a mediocre quarterback, better yep. than most. He but sure seems that way. He's not. He's not able to bring this Broncos team to where they want it to be. They're mm-hmm. three and five this season, and you know, the AFC West, yep. and it's just a really disappointing turnout for the Broncos, and I'm sure their fans will probably agree. Yeah, I agree. I think that's probably true. Um, All right. So, yeah, so he's, he's so he's, he's, he's not sent by God, you know, unlike DeSantis. <laughs> okay, so. great. We'll leave politics out of this for now, but okay. So, um, yeah, so Russell Wilson hasn't been, you know, the expected quarterback, but recently, Russell Wilson and Jerry Judy has been on the same page. Yes. Like, I mean, he has been getting a lot of targets and catching them. Like, really surprised. Uh, okay. Happily surprised, though. Because yep. now he's, like, one of my go-to people to put on my fantasy roster because uh-huh. you're getting at least 10 points from him for the last, like, three or so weeks. Yep. So, in the last five games, he has – um gotten over 50.5 receiving yards mm-hmm. uh which has been great okay and he has also been and from those i mean like and more than 50.5 i mean i say it's over 50.5 at least 50 but point, at least, i mean at least like 50. yeah 5. he's i mean like he's just been killing it like mm-hmm. i said like mm-hmm. you know we're a half ppr league and mm-hmm. he gets at least like 10 to 14 points yep. so i mean great so the Tennessee Titans have been a little disappointing. They have the third worst passing defense. Mm-hmm. So I just don't see why Jerry Judy cannot get 50 yards unless something happens to him or 
something happens to Russell Wilson. Okay, so the over for Jerry Judy against the Tennessee Titans, uh, uh, the over 50.5 total receiving. Yeah, I don't want to jinx this. All right, there you go, knocking wood. All right, so my first pick is Justin Fields, my Justin Fields from the Chicago Bears. The over-under is 241.5 total pass and rush yards against the Detroit Lions, and I am taking the over on 241.5 total passing and rushing yards. Now, Justin Fields, he has broke out huge over the last couple weeks. Absolutely huge. I don't know. In fantasy, he is the top um, scoring uh, quarterback over the last three weeks. And he's rushed for no fewer than 60 yards a game since week six. In fact, he's averaging 66.9 rush yards per game on an average of 10.1 rushes per game. So he is carrying the ball a lot, and he's very effective, more effective than most running backs in the NFL right now. And the Lions allow 149 rush yards per game, and they allow 268 passing yards per game. Those allowed passing yards alone would exceed the 241.5 over under. And uh, with Chase Claypool now in town, with an extra week to learn the offense, Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet getting rediscovered in the passing game. We saw Cole Komet get two touchdowns last week. I know. I like Fields' chances to comp- continue his epic role. He is growing. He is going to be a top – this week he was a top – or last week I should say he was rated a top 10 he quarterback. Was, yeah. And I think he's going to continue moving up that. 241.5 total pass and rushing yards should be a piece of cake for him against the terrible Detroit Lions defense. Take the over. What do you got next? I have – Another wide receiver, I have Tyreek Hill from Miami, yep. 95.5 total receiving yards, and I take the over. Okay. So Tyreek Hill has been a phenom for Miami. I mean, mm-hmm. I think we've said this several times. Yep. He has just literally made Tua a better quarterback. Yeah, he certainly has. Um, and that's just no denying it. Like, I don't think, like, Tua would be this good without Tyreek Hill. Absolutely not. He, it's just amazing what one player has done for Miami. Well, the, to be fair, Jalen Waddle already there, but having two of them there makes it, uh, I think, a huge compliment. It has, and but Jalen Waddle has not been able to do what Tyreek Hill has been uh, able to do. I agree. Tyreek Hill is definitely 1A to Jalen Waddle's 1B, for sure. So this season, Hill has five games over 95.5 receiving yards. That shouldn't be a surprise. I mean, he's usually over 100 mm-hmm. receiving yards. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the Browns, they're not terrible, but they're kind of in the middle when it comes to the passing defense. Yep. Uh, so you just don't know which Browns defense is going to show up. I think that's the problem. Sometimes they're, like, really good, and yeah. then most times they're just, like – Very inconsistent. Yeah. So I just think that with Tua and Terry Kill and Miami, you know, just being on this, like, hot streak with Tua back, mm-hmm. I still don't see why – Tyreek Hill, like they, people, like defenses just cannot, you know, defend against him. Yeah, they, they it was the same continue. way in Kansas City too. Right. And that's not saying that he's always going to have like a hundred yard, you know, receiving week. And that's definitely not true. He's uh-huh. had weeks where it's been under, but I just think with Cleveland's defense and with this like hot streak that Miami has been on, I, I think he should be able to do the over on that mm-hmm. and. I, I think that's pretty daring. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, oh, so that's who right. Knows? That's true. Tyreek Hill <laughs> taking the over on 95.5. That's a lot of yards. yards. It's a lot of yards. It is a lot of yards. Yeah. It is a lot of, yeah, 95.5, but maybe not a lot of yards for Tyreek Hill. Maybe not a lot of yards for Tyreek Hill. But for him, two, two receptions could be 95.5 it, yards. It could. It could. But you so, just never know. That's true. Like I said, he's had weeks where it was under. That's so. true. That's true. All right. So my second pick of this week is Damian Pierce running back for the Houston Texans. 
his prop bet is over under 76.5 rush yards against the New York football Giants. And I am taking the over on 76.5 rush yards. Now, Damian Pierce has essentially been the entirety of the Texans offense over the last five weeks. Now, he started off slow, and there was some talk about, oh, is it Rex Burkhead, blah, blah, blah. Oh, of course it's not Rex Burkhead, guys. It's Damian Pierce. And over the last five weeks, he's averaged 99.2 rush yards per game and three total touchdowns. He has been a beast. He has. I Absolute know. beast. He's on my fantasy team. Yeah, I know. Got to play him. And he has been fantastic. What a rookie year for him. For, for the year, Pierce has the fifth most rush yards per game of any running back in the NFL. Of any running back in the NFL. And definitely more than Jonathan Taylor, who's been absolute, oh absolute bust. Number one draft pick. Yes, total, total bust. My there. foot. I mean, anyway, and uh, this is the thing, though. You know, good run defenses don't scare Damian Pierce, partially because the Houston Texans can't do anything else. No. They only can run the ball. But, and, and everyone knows it. And everyone knows it, and yet they can't, still can't stop they them. They still can't stop them. 139 rush yards last week against the vaunted Eagles defense. They knew they were going to run the ball over yeah. and over again. He still did it. 139 rush yards. The Giants defense is not the Eagles' defense. And they are allowing 111 rush yards per game this year. Bottom line, 99.2 is more than 76.5. 111 is more than 76.5. I like Damian Pierce's chances to go over 76.5 rush yards this week against the New York football Giants. From your lips to Damian Pierce's feet. (laughs) There it is. There it is. All right, guys, that's all we have for today. Let's go ahead and hit the air horn on the show. All right, Jim, why don't you give us your social media so people can follow you? It's at Kung Fu for you on Twitter. All right. As of now. As of <laughs> why, are you thinking about changing it? What's I that? don't know. Elon Musk, Twitter. <laughs> oh, that's true. Oh, fair enough. Fair enough. Let's, let's, not, let's not talk about Elon Musk. Let's not end on a down note, okay? Yes, let's not end on a down note. Let's not down on a down note. We're you, coming on Football Sunday. That's right. So everyone get psyched and forget about Elon Musk. So you can find me at FB Garbage Time on Twitter and uh, the Football Garbage Time page on Facebook. Thank you for listening and wasting time with us. Until next time, watch those horror movie scares, make those prop bet dares, and win that money. Good luck, everyone. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.